Good evening and welcome to the 100th episode of Folks Talking Sports. One more time. Let me say that one more time. The 100th episode of FTS Folks Talking Sports. I am. Thank you for the round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Very appreciate it. Thank you for your support. We appreciate it. I am KG, Chris Gardner, owner of the Houston Round Ball Review. Joining me. Our colleagues, Andy Yanez from Paw Slamma Jamma. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. I, I was trying to fix my AirPods. I was able to do it just in time for the show. I know we're going to get into it. We have a lot to talk about. But Chris, Will, Cody. It's a parade inside my city. Yeah. Dylan Indeed. Brooks. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Willie Gibson, Ohio. How are you, sir? I'm well. How are you? Doing well. And joining us the first of a few guests, hopefully, that are joining us throughout this 100th episode of Folks Talking Sports, Cody Davis, <laughs> who covers the Rockets from for SI and and covers the Texans, the Locked On Texans, right? Is it right? Locked On Texans? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Locked On Texans, cover the Rockets for SI, cover the Texans as well, SI. And Chris, um, I just want to say congratulations on the 100th episode. And thank you so much for thinking about me to be a part of this epic, um, you know, achievement that you have. I appreciate it, my guy. <laughs> oh, you're welcome, man. I'm glad you could, uh, could make it, could take time out. Because I know you're a busy man as well. Appreciate you joining us. All right, we got one person chiming in. Oh, and of course, let me do this right. Thank you to everybody watching us on YouTube. You can, of course, follow us on Twitter at Folks Talk Sports. For now, as long as Twitter exists, but I'll be posting the sharing links more and more on my Spoutable account at Houston Rombar Review on Spoutable, S-P-O-U-T-I-B-L-E.com. But for now, Twitter, Folks Talking Sports, but mainly the Houston Rombar Review on YouTube. Okay. I'm going to put this up. Player A, look at those three-point numbers regular season. Player B, look at those numbers regular season. Okay? Regular season, regular season. All right? Playoffs? Playoffs? We're, we're talking playoffs? Yeah, we're talking playoffs. Talking playoffs. See those numbers there, gentlemen? Mm-hmm. Who, who was player A? Dylan Brooks. Who was player B? Fred Van Bleet. No, sir. Wow. Cody? Um, Put Eric Gordon. Numbers again. <laughs> playoff numbers. There you go, Andy. Mm, I think I know who player B is, I think. Who you got, Cody? I'm going to say P.J. Tucker. No, sir. Andy, who you got? Has he been a rocket at any point? No. No? Hmm. I give away I give a hint away, I'd give it away. <clears throat> he has a playoff nickname. Uh playoff nickname. He steps up his game in the playoffs. That's Jimmy Butler? Bingo! <laughs> <laughs> Bingo. Let me put it up again for the regular season. Look at those three point numbers for Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. 24.4, 24.5, 23.3. Had a good year this past to 
And what I heard yesterday was saw from Rocket fans, Dylan Brooks' shot is broken. Three-point shot is broken. I don't see him shooting 24.4% until the playoffs this past season. Clearly, Jimmy Butler is a better all-around player than Dylan Brooks. No question. No question at all. But Will, 24.4, under 25% three times. Yep. That's 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 not good. <laughs> okay, it's not, it's not good. But I would I would I would ask how the number of threes that he shot in those years, because he's not primarily known as a three point shooter. So correct, he takes more in the playoffs than he does in the regular season. It it right. goes up to like from two to three or four. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not a lot. Whereas Dylan Brooks takes about six because of the system that he was in in Memphis. Right. I feel certain that he's not going to take six a game with the Rockets if he's clanging them like that. Cody, what say you? Uh, I I don't know how you guys feel, but you know, and I, and I might be you know the only one who think like this, but I think Dylan Brooks might be the Rockets' best free agency signing. And I only say that because we can go back and forth to talk about the three-point shooting. We could talk about him so-called poking the bear all that, which at the end of the day, he was messing with LeBron James. Now, I don't know about you guys, Chris, Willie, you guys can probably attest to this more than Andy and myself. But didn't you always have somewhat of a pest trying to poke Michael Jordan, Matt Johnson, Larry Bird, Dr. J? Like, all of the greats have somebody. I only seen a couple – Pest tried to poke the bear with LeBron and Kobe, and it never worked out in their favor. You live and you learn. But I went into this free agency saying to myself that the Houston Rockets, they have to make sure that they add a defensive-minded player. Say what you want about Dylan Brooks, but Dylan Brooks has established himself as one of the best wing defenders in this league. When you look at the Rockets over the last three seasons – Defense has been one of their Achilles heels to where there have been several times where they have given up over 120 points. Chris, we sat in the Toyota Center several times, messing <laughs> with each other. The game is already over by the yep. first quarter. And yep. majority of that was due to their inabilities to play defense. We're adding Dylan Brooks. I don't think that you're going to have that issue even more. Plus, with him being somewhat of a veteran and he is the type of veteran, yeah, he's going to give you some shenanigans from on several occasions, but he's going to be a veteran that's definitely going to help the Houston Rockets on the defensive side of the ball, not just on the individual standpoint, but as a team. I'm pretty sure there's a lot that a guy like Tari Eason, Jabari Smith Jr., even Jalen and Kevin Porter Jr., they're going to be able to learn a lot about playing defense at the highest level with a guy like Devin Brooks in that locker room. And that's why I'm confident in saying that that is arguably their best free agency signing. Well, Cody, let me, let me say to you, because young Mr. Giannis totally disagreed with me when I suggested him Brooks <laughs> about three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Rocket fans thought I was nuts. Thought mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was talking about. Willie agreed with it. My biggest surprise regarding the signing was the four years, no options, team or player, and the mm-hmm. money, 80 million. And it's going to be a sign and trade. And that's the thing I'll pull up, another slide I'll pull up in a second. Yeah. Because Andy, he, he I guess, kind of came around a little bit <laughs> to me and Willie's thinking 
because we will and I even on Thursday's lunch break seen also here on YouTube and Houston Round Bar of YouTube and, and on Roku on the BS3 network. We put out there the 12.4 exception for gentlemen, but 12.4 rocks were under the cap, obviously, but 12.4 12. Mm-hmm. starting salary for him. We believe he didn't have a lot of leverage. Yeah. And I don't believe I don't believe he had a lot of leverage anyway, because I did not hear too many teams willing to bid for him. Mm-hmm. So the Rockets offering the amount they did was a surprise. But overall, and I three will get to your comment in a second. Overall, Will, and you know, you guys know I feel Cody, you do as well. If a team's gonna offer it, what's Dylan gonna say to the Rockets? Well, no, I'm not worth that much. Uh, <laughs> 80 million over four years? Ooh, no, I think I'm more like 50 million over four years. But if y'all insist, I guess I'll go ahead and, and, and agree to it. I mean, yeah. you twist my arm and you're going to give that 20 million per average. Yeah, I guess so. That's on the Rockets. The, the guarantees, that's on the Rockets too. That surprised me. But salute to, to, to Dylan Brooks. He was second team all defense. Any Rockets last year, Cody, make all defense? No. <laughs> No, sir. Hell, I'm not even shooting the Rockets besides Tar Eason and sometimes Jabari Smith sniffed defense last year on a consistent basis. You know, bar, still the line from uh, borrow the line from Kelvin Sampson, Andy. A lot of the Rocket players thought defense was a thing that goes around the, the yard. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dylan Brooks, he's got to accept the coach Emi Udoka culture. That's why I was kind of just a two-year deal, team knocks team on the second year. But they gave him four years. Again, what's he going to say? Ooh, four years. Ooh, y'all, that's a lot. Y'all think I'm worth four years? Well, okay, I'll take the four years. But, you know, I mean, come on. So we'll see if that part of it pans out for the Rockets. Andy, what do you say about Dylan Brooks becoming a Rocket eventually once the sign-and-trade deal is done? Eventually. Uh, Chris, you, you brought it up. Uh, four-year, $80 million contract. I think that's definitely a hefty price for Dylan Brooks. But uh, looking overall at the moves that Houston's made, uh, overall the free agent, I like the pieces. I know specifically when it comes to the contracts, if you go on Twitter, at least the, the portion of it that allows you to work uh, every now and then in between the late uh, rate limits, there seems to be a lot of disagreement about not necessarily the players they got, but the contracts that they've handed out. Yeah. And the thing that I, when it comes to the NBA and Chris, Will, Cody, you guys can all attest to this. How many times have we heard of a player with an untradeable contract and that contract ends up getting traded? The player gets up getting moved. It happens. It, it only takes often. one. <laughs> it only yeah. takes one team. There's no <laughs> such thing as an unmovable contract in the NBA. And overall, it, it seems what Houston is doing They've they've chosen their core, and that core is going to be Jabari Smith, Jalen Green, Alfred Shingun, Eamon Thompson, and uh, Ken Porter Jr. That's the core, and they've surrounded them with veteran players that can not only help them be definitely much more competitive than they have been for the past three seasons where they've won 20 games apiece each season, but show them the ropes, provide them that veteran leadership, and be able to establish a uh, culture that Ime Udoka wants and he talked about in his press conference he wanted mature adult players in the room to be able to help that young core and at at the end of the day I think that that's good it's certainly it's a very different makeup of the team and I 
going back to the comments that I believe Tillman Fertitta said when they introduced Coach Udoka, it's, it's a different phase for the Rockets. And yep. that's the core. That's the core. And potentially they might tweak a couple of players as well, potentially depending on, you know, however Kevin Porter Jr., Eamon Thompson, and I'm sure there'll, there'll be more moves down the line, not necessarily this offseason, but potentially depending on how it shakes up. But now it's on these players, the young players, mm-hmm. to develop and you know start to take that next step under Coach Udoka. So I like the move overall. And, and let, me, let me say this. I'm going to go into the comments because this first comment that I respond to, um, let's see, because it got some Dylan Brooks haters on here for some reason. <laughs> uh, because we, I mean, we we said minutes ago that the Rockets paid too much for Dylan Brooks, in our opinion. But what's he going? What's he going to do? Oh no, I don't want that. No, thank you. Hmm. Take it back. Come back. Come back to me with a lower offer, and then maybe I'll sign it. I mean, come on. And it's Brook Lopez need that they've needed for okay. for the last few seasons. Uh, agree, Brook Lopez. He was the Rockets gave him a good offer, a very good offer. The Bucks said, Brooke, you're you're a big part of this team, man. You helped us win a championship. We're gonna match that offer mm-hmm. because we want we believe you can help us win another championship. Okay. Right. That's what yeah. that's what he did. So when a, when a, the Rockets <clears throat> make a good offer, any team makes a good offer. And the, a player, current team. Where he's whoever that player is has a relationship, has a bond with the players, his teammates. Want a chip? And said, you know, I like it here. I'm gonna stay here. Thank you, Rockets, for the offer. Hell, he could have said, thank you, thank you, Rockets, for the leverage y'all gave me to get this offer in the Bucks. Right. Okay, hmm. that could be real talk. Brooke Lopez did what he did, overpaying for Brooke Lopez. Then, then Rockets, some Rocket fans would say, well, they paid Brooke Lopez how much? And he's going to start over Al P. Shingoon? Oh, no, he can't do that. <laughs> what is it? Oh. it? You know, go ahead, Will. Go ahead. No, I'll say a couple things on that. One, Brooke Lopez is 35 years old. So Dylan Brooks is 27. Yes. So you overpay for the younger player. And you're coming off. The Rockets have no leverage whatsoever. Let's, let's be honest. I mean, they... They're, they're coming. They're up and coming. They, they are in phase two, as we've heard several times. <laughs> so they're not in a position that they can maybe take a few off here or there. They had to overpay every contract that they offered. Bad team tax. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, what it, that's what it was, bad team tax. We can talk about it. And, you know, Jamon with the comment here regarding – Dylan Brooks' offensive liability, I'm going to put it up again. The three-point numbers. All right? Put up three-point numbers. Like I said, player A is Dylan Brooks. Player B is Jimmy Butler. Okay? So three-point shooting, I say this about any player. If you can't shoot threes, you know how you can impact the game, your teammates on offense? Move around. Cut. Mm -hmm. Cut to the hoop. Don't stand still. Just because you are out there at the three-point line and opponents aren't guarding you, move your ass. Because if you cut to the paint, if they don't guard you, you got a layup. <laughs> I, I, I would say this. I would say this also about uh, Dylan Brooks' alleged offensive liability. Um, each player on every team has a role. And in Memphis, his role was to play defense and shoot the three. 
we don't know if he's an offensive liability. He fulfilled the role that he had in Memphis. He may come to Houston and average 27. I'm not saying he is. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't come down sure. here. My point being, we don't know. His role in Memphis was to average 14. He could come to Houston and average 19. I don't know. He Right. But And the roles, the teams are different. The culture is different for sure. Absolutely. But, and we get to FVV signing in a second. The Rockets starting five, projected starting five, Fred Van Vliet, Jalen Green, Dylan Brooks, Jabari Smith, Alperen Shangun. In that five, there's a chance Dylan Brooks is the fifth option. So if he's the fifth option, you won't need him to average 19 points a game. 12 to 14, 12 to 15, he take good shots, play good defense, take smart shots, cut to the rim, be active on offense, get you some dunks, layups, be a threat that way. Yep. And to not poke bears. I don't care if he pokes bears or not. <laughs> no, he 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 needs to poke some bears. You know, I'm fine with it. I love he the competition. Poke bears of practice. You he know, could uh, he could get under the young guys' skin. And that and he will do that. That's nothing oh. Coach Doka said in the presser. Mm-hmm. That practice is going to be much more competitive. Guys' roles will change, and some players' minutes will change. And it's up to them to be professional and adjust and shine in their new role. <clears throat> if you don't. You won't play. Cody, I'm going to go here, man. <laughs> I'm going to go here. <laughs> I already know where you're going. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go here because I three, I, I mean, I guess he's just hating on. He wants us to respond to everything he's posting. It's called my practice. Dylan Brooks accepted Rockets offer. It's going to be a sign and trade. Mm-hmm. And it'll be official finalized maybe between now and July 6th. Part of that deal involves Patty Mills. Part of that also, all that kind of stuff. But Cody, Coach Udoka is much more of a hard ass than Steven Silas. Mm-hmm. Okay? I think Coach Udoka could, would do, will do a better job of putting his foot down with somebody like Dylan Brooks than Steven Silas. You agree? Yes, sir, I do. So that's an improvement right there. Coach, what Coach said at that presser about holding guys accountable, those were some veiled veil criticisms <laughs> at Stephen Silas. Mm-hmm. I think it's also some <clears throat> veiled criticism at Rafael Stone. You look at who the Rockets are mm-hmm. letting go. They're getting rid of, let's see, getting rid of Ty Ty Washington. Kudos to Willie Gibson, who, who said he was available, mentioned it Thursday in our lunch break segment. Going to uh, Tata Usman or going to Atlanta. We will say possibly Cleveland has some interest. But they did. They did. Hmm. Josh Christopher, Tata, and Us are three of the Rockets' most recent first round picks. Trading them, is that an indictment, criticism of Rafael Stone? Or an indictment, criticism of Stephen Silas for not giving them more playing time? I, I don't know if it's necessarily either one of those. I just think that yeah, they're not part of the long-term well. vision. Like when you think about the the signings, the players that they brought in, I mean, none of those players would really be be in the rotation. Maybe KJ Martin, but with what happened last offseason, uh, he requested a trade. 
And even then, I mean, would you play KJ Martin over or you're bringing in Dylan Brooks? You still have Tari Eason, potentially Cam Whitmore as well. He's just the odd man out, in my opinion. Yeah, I 100%, I 100% agree with Andy. I don't think their departure had anything to do with Raphael Stone or Coach Steven Silas. It was just, you know, we just keep hearing phase two. And every time we went to the press conferences, whether it was with the rookies, whether it was for the Juneteenth event, or whether it was at Coach Edoka's introductory press conference, both Raphael Stone and Coach Ime Edoka, they kept saying, you know, they want to add more veterans. They wanted to – um add players that can help take them from phase one to phase two, which that gets on my nerves every time I hear that. Um, But, you know, they have a goal. And, you know, with the moves that they made, I wasn't surprised because going into this offseason, I knew the last time we had an opportunity to see the Houston Rockets in person before they ended the season on the road, you know, was doing the practice before that um, two games that they had on the road where they went to, I think it was Charlotte, then they ended up in Washington before the season came to the end. I knew walking out the arena that day that that was the last time that we was going to see several of those guys. Right. And here we are on July 2nd, and, you know, there's no more Tata Washington, there's no more Usman, there's no more Josh Christopher, and there's no more K.J. Martin, which, by the way, out of all of those players, one, I'm going to miss K.J. the most because that was my guy in the locker room. But two, and most importantly, um, I think instead of saying that it's an indictment, it, it should show credibility for Coach um, for former coach Steven Silas and general manager Raphael Stone, because those are the, those two guys took a chance on KJ Martin and actually developed him, and now he's part of the reason why he, you know, we kept hearing these trade rumors for over a year. Like Andy just said, he he requested a trade last year, and it took over a year for him to trade him. But it's part of the reason why. The Clippers gave up two second round picks for him. It's part of the reason why Phoenix wanted him for so long. It's part of the reason why he did have some trade value going into this offseason. And put this up. And Cody, I'm a, you got to about eight more minutes with us and then bring some more guests because of this 100th episode of Folks Talking Sports. Hmm. But <clears throat> Rockets, I have three Rockets can scout talent or make deals. Not only did the Rockets tank, but the Rockets didn't play our young guys and build value. In the comment, who who is at fault there for not for playing Dacia Knicks more? Is it Rafael Stone or the Steven Silas or even higher up? Could it have been Tillman? Rafael Stone. See, that's what I want fans <laughs> to hear understand. Because that's and I this is kind of I'm straddling the fence here because I don't believe Coach Doka would do this. I think Rafael Stone told Steven to play Dacia Nix more, to not play certain players. I think he did that. I think Steven said okay with some trepidation, whereas Coach Doka, no. I'm trying to win. I'm trying to get to the playoffs, get close to the playoffs. No, I'm not playing these young dudes. <laughs> no, they're not doing anything in practice. No, they're not going to play. You know, I think that situation would have happened. The Rockets, all these vets they're bringing in, it's part of phase two. And we can talk about it here. Jeff Green, Uncle Jeff's coming back. That middle part there, draft rights to Alpha Cabo, that's part of the Ty Ty Oost going to the Hawks. Jock Landale, back up five, only one year guaranteed. That's a smart deal, I think. Mm-hmm. Active big man, Patty Mills, going to be part of the Dylan Brooks sign and trade deal. Then Fred Van Vliet. Let's talk about that. The anything about, and keep in mind the note there, courtesy of Jackson Gallon. 
that is a team option on third year for Fred Van Vliet. I think that's a, a really good move for the Rockets right there. So any issues with the contract that Fred got or will get? No, not for me, no. Cody? I don't – I'm conflicted about Fred. I really <laughs> am. Uh, one, shout out to him for getting a bag. I have no issue with I, – honestly, I don't have no issue with the money that the Houston Rockets spent at all because, one, Chris, like you – would you how you said it, it's the bad team tax yeah. that you, you know, so-called had to overplay. Plus, everybody's got to keep in mind that going into – Free agency, you had what sixty six and a half million dollars, and you have to spend what ninety percent of that before the start of the season. Right. So if you're still trying, so if you're trying to go from phase one to phase two and get all these veterans and stuff, of course you got to overpay or whatever that means. No, you had the money, go out there and spend it. Um, but my issue with Fred is this. <sighs> hey, Chris, you already know where I'm going. <laughs> go ahead. I want to know. How is this going to work? Because now you have Fred, you have Kevin Porter Jr., and now you have Amen Thompson. And I look at this from a standpoint that you have three point guards, three ball handlers who need the ball in their hands to be effective. And maybe I'm looking at this from a standpoint because over the last three years I have watched Kevin Porter Jr. And I, I not only watched them, I watched them grow. I've I've Covered them in the G League. I remember how his game was in the G League when he first came to the Rockets, all the way to what we see now. And I know I'm in the majority when I say this. I believe in Kevin Porter Jr. as a point guard. No, you're, you're the minority on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, minority. yeah the minority. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and I know some people might hear that and say, what are you talking about? Well, I always say this. First off, the point guard position isn't what it, isn't what it was 20, 25 years ago. Chris, I don't know if he was there, but I remember talking to Stephen Silas both on record and off record about this. You know, how do you value um, Kevin Porter Jr.'s growth at that position? And the one thing that he always said is the fact that you don't evaluate it like it was with a Jason Kidd, with a John yeah, Stockton. Those yeah. fast pass first point guards are gone. You, nowadays, you have a point guard like a Dame, like a Kyrie. No, I'm not comparing Kevin Porter Jr. to that, but those are guys who are running the point guard position on their respective teams. And they are not that fast per pass first point guard. They are out there getting their own and they're going out there. And of course that's elevating the team. I've seen the growth in Kevin Porter jr. Over these last three or four years, however long it's been. And I just feel like, I just felt like, the Rockets maybe would have been better off just keeping him at that position because I know we have also have a sample size of him playing off the ball, and it's a small sample size. But in my opinion, I think Kevin Porter Jr. is at his best when the ball is in his hands. We'll, we'll see. I mean, he's going to be the sixth man, and it's up to him to excel in that role. Mm-hmm. Ahmed Thompson will be the, the backup one, and he won't get a lot of minutes because he's a rookie. He'll have to earn it to mm-hmm. run the offense coming off the bench. And I'm going to go here one more time with, with, with this person and these comments. It must be a Brooke Lopez fan or Brooke Lopez's agent or, or something <laughs> because overpaying for a 35-year-old man who's limited on a team that is trying to compete for championships next yeah, season regardless. trying to win 30 games. So that makes no yeah. sense. Yeah. 
They're trying to get to – they're in phase two to get better, to go from 22 wins to 30 wins. And old paying a dude 35 years old would be a mistake two years in and to not get in the playoffs. Which, by the way, can I say this real quick? I don't sure. understand the fascination with Brooke Lopez because he's a seven-foot center that has only averaged six-and-a-half rebounds. What is another issue that the Houston Rockets have had over the last yes. few years? Rebounding. So I just don't understand, like, what will Brooke Lopez bring to the Rockets in order to help him? That's just me. We could talk about him being a, you know, so-called defensive center. I say so-called because I've seen better defensive centers who can actually protect the rim better than him. I just mentioned his rebounding. So, you know, me personally, I wasn't mad with Brooke Lopez not signing with the Rockets. I think he is also in a better position to go to a team where he's playing alongside arguably the best player in the game in Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's on a championship contender team. Then with him being 35 years old, that's also going to be a decline. Last year, he had a decent season, but his decline could come this year or the following year, which means the Rockets would have been in a position where you had a declining center that you would have been paying someone the ballpark of what, 16, 20, 25 million a year, and he's not giving you anything. Plus, Elper and Shingun, you're talking about somebody who has showcased his growth and development. Look, defense is still terrible, I must admit. But in terms of rebounding, in terms of him being the starting center, in terms of when you have LP on the on the floor, you still have a guy who can be your secondary facilitator, mm-hmm. sometimes your first facilitator. I think there's more value keeping LP as a starter versus if you would assign Brooke Lopez with a lot at risk. Cody, how can folks find on, on social media? Um, you could follow me. Oh man, as of right now on Twitter, I don't know how much longer that's gonna last. Um, at Cody Davis underscore twenty four. Once again, it's Cody C O T Y D A V I S underscore um twenty four. Same on IG and same on the next social media platform that I'm about to switch over to. So um, yeah, you can follow me on that. Thank you very much, my man. We'll keep in touch. Obviously, this summer, you going to mm-hmm. Vegas at all? No, I'm not going to Vegas this year. All right. And we'll have you on uh, you and AD together on Talk Texans, but that'll be some other time here this this month. So just hang by your phone, brother. Appreciate it, man. <laughs> yes, sir. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right. Going to bring in James Mueller. All hey. time OC, James Mueller. Welcome to this 100th episode of Folks Talking Sports. Semi-regular James Mueller before he got a real job. Landed with the, the Chronicle still there? Uh, doing some freelance stuff for them, but nothing like it was in May. Okay, well, that's all right. How you doing, man? Doing well. Thanks for having me. How are y'all? Doing well. Willie Gibson missed you. Yeah, man. Congratulations. Good to see you. Good to see you, too, Will. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts on what the Rockets have done so far in free agency and semi-trades? in uh, Yeah, so from what I caught from the last little bit, I mean, I think y'all have hit on most of the main points, you know. They had to spend the money. Um, so, yes, the contracts are probably bigger than or an overpay in people's opinion, but they had to do it. Um, and, I mean, I, I agree with the Brook Lopez stuff. Um, yes, he would have been a nice addition to the Rockets, but he's not in their championship window um, because, you know, he's old and the Rockets are <laughs> in the next few years. Uh, and I think, Dylan Brooks, you can criticize him all you want, but he brings that feisty, nasty sort of 
energy that the Rockets need and they need defense. And so that will be helpful. And then I like the third year team option um, with Fred and his contract, um, even though, you know, he's making a ton of money. I think the third year gives him flexibility there um, depending on where the Rockets are at at that point. But overall, I mean, I think it's a solid off season. I, I'm not going to say they're going to be a playoff team or anything. I think they'll be significantly better just with the coaching changes and having some veterans, but um, it's a step in the right direction for sure. Agreed. And, you know, Fred Van Vliet is a good on the ball defender. Get Fred and Dylan Brooks to become pests guarding other team's players. That's an improvement. Rockets like that. Rockets before Dylan Brooks. Rockets lacked Tar Eason was going to be that. Not there yet. You're getting there. Could be down the line. Needed some guys. I'm going to say it. Get after it on defense with some nuts. Challenge dudes. You know, sometimes you got to talk bad about the other, other team's mama. You know, something. Get under their skin. Whatever it takes. Be a pest. See who you can get into their mind and mess up their game. They got that now. Mentally and physically. And hey, Dylan Brooks there's some things he needs to fix. Clearly. He's got a shot to do it here with the Rockets. Fred Van Vliet. Fred is not a great, does not have a great percentage shooting. But he's good, solid assist man. Good defensively. On pick and rolls defending. He's not afraid of the moment. Not afraid to take big shots. Not afraid to lead. The money Again, Rockets had to spend it to get a point guard. The Rockets believe they needed a point guard. Fred Van Lee was, was their top priority for a free agency in terms of point guard. That's a question. Yes. This person got quit. I, I agree with everything you said. I'll, I'll, prep, I'll start with that because I, I totally agree. But someone asked me this about Fred. And they, were, well, they paid him $40 million. Why not? They had to spend the money. Why not take that money and, and spread it over three, four, five players? Why'd you have to spend it all on Fred? Like who for point guard play? Because, well, no, one got I, 15 spots. <laughs> that's just my point. That, that's my point. That's exactly the point I'm getting at. Like, who? who what, what are the four or five players that you're going to use the $40 million that you gave Fred on? And then, I again, I agree totally right. with what you said. And we're talking about Fred, and I3 brought up Jackson Hayes. That was his, his preference. I Let me say this, because it – some folks, fans, and we're not fans. Let me be clear on that as well. We're media, credentialed media. All right? I'm not a fan of the Rockets. I cover the Rockets. There are players, quite as it's kept, who don't want to come play for the Rockets, who'd rather play for the Lakers if given the opportunity than play for the Rockets. That, that happens, okay? That's a real thing. So... Toss out these names. Why, why do we get this? Why do we do that? Well, maybe that dude didn't want to come here. And Brooke Lopez could be one of those dudes. Hey, thank you for the leverage I gave me. I'm going back to the team that I'm comfortable with, where I want to chip. Simple as that. Andy, what are you going to say? No, I agree 100%. Again, like I mentioned when, when Cody was on, I feel like it's it's definitely – you can tell that there's a next step, and they have their core. I think it's specifically in regards to Kevin Porter Jr. I think it'll be interesting to see what he can do in a much larger sample size when he is off the ball. Maybe they can unlock something where he's more comfortable with, 
And there's no pressure on Eamon Thompson to have to come in here and be a day one starter and then have to lead as a rookie. There's no pressure on him to do that. He can slowly develop. And, of course, now he's on a roster with not only vets, but vets that can play and, and are going to be seriously in a rotation when it comes to Fred Van Vliet. I like the move for that aspect. It's going to make the lives of all the younger guys at core much, much easier because he's already been through the battles he Won an NBA championship with the Toronto Raptors. He knows what it takes to be at the top in this league. And I think just his presence overall is going to be to the benefit of that young core. And agreed. And James, Will, what's your thoughts on this? I know a slim boss, he, he corrected it in the next comment. That should be, we spent, we spent more money. None of young players will get minutes. Jalen Green's going to play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Jabari does his play. job in practice. He's going to play. Jabari's going to play. <laughs> Tar's gonna play. Gonna play. Shinjigun's gonna. That's that's half the core right there. They're gonna play. Yep. So it's a good mix. I think it's a good mix of youngsters who will play, who have talent, with veterans who have talent, and who will push the other guys in practice to get better. Question. Yes. To that point, who was the starting small forward in, in Houston last year? Eric Gordon. <laughs> for for, for much of the season, Eric Gordon, yeah. Right. So Dylan Brooks is not an upgrade. So if if Dylan Brooks wasn't planning to be Eric Gordon, so okay. So my point being, they got players at positions of need. Yes. So they're not taking minutes away from the young players. They're actually enhancing the young players by bringing in veterans that can show them the win. And I'll say this real quick. I know we'll probably get to it, but the favorite, my favorite, signing of the Houston Rockets is, is Uncle Jeff, Jeff Green, because he, 37 years old, he's 36, he'll be 37 next month. He, world champion, someone who's, I've been hearing this all week, the adult in the room, he's a veteran that can show these guys. He may not have the, the gaudy numbers, mm-hmm. but he's solid. He's a contributor. And more importantly, he can show these guys the way off the court, in the locker room. Not saying Fred can't, not saying, well, I am saying Dylan can't. But um, he has to Jeff prove it, Green, but he can't. Yeah, right, right. Jeff Green has the track record of being the veteran in the locker room that can show these young guys the way, and I think that is 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 going to be um, is not being emphasized enough. His 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 uh, leadership and his value that he's going to bring to Houston. And Jeff Green is is Boban's replacement. Just think of it like that, okay. Mm-hmm. But with better skills and can probably give, give you more offensive and defensively than Boban could. Okay. I three you are hating. Because the last part of this comment about first team, second team. Third team. No Kawhi, Giannis, Paul, George, and more. Dylan would be third team or worst. Would be. I, I didn't know about we're dealing with would be's. What I know is Dylan Brooks was second team defense, all defense this past season. That's what he was. It's okay. No Kawhi, Giannis. You know why? No Paul George because they were hurt. That's not Dylan Brooks' fault. I'm, I don't deal with woulda, coulda, shouldas. Yeah. I wish I could because I wish I was a, a millionaire. I yeah. wish I would win the lottery. You know, <laughs> a lot of uh, wishes in woods. I wish Holly Berry would be in, come, coming to my life. You know what I mean? What the hell? <laughs> woulda, coulda, whatever. So that's hating. This comment here. You don't think Brooks is that much of an upgrade over Martin. He is on defense. Wow. He, he is on defense. Wow. <laughs> question. He is on defense. Absolutely. He, he is on defense. And that's – and, Jay Martin, y'all, other folks on here, 
this is not Steven Silas's team anymore. Okay, this is Emi Udoka's team. He has different expectations for these players. He wanted certain kind of players to bring in. He's accomplished that. I think he's had more say in bringing guys in than Rafael has. So that's different than Steven Silas. New coach in town, new sheriff in town. More defensive guys playing. Some guys don't want to play defense, play hard. They won't play. And then there'll be some fans, well, why is so-and-so playing? Or, why? or, you know, the favorite I hear, coach doesn't like so-and-so. It's personal. He doesn't like. Okay. Okay, yeah. Coach, is, coach is, is playing somebody, not playing somebody because it's personal, risking ultimately losing his job. Right. Losing <laughs> games because, yeah, okay, because it's personal. Please. Leave that. Leave that. Just come on now, folks. Come on. But, James, did you watch the – we're shifting gears tremendously. Did you watch the toast to the Big 12 on Friday at well midnight? I caught. I didn't watch it live. I caught some of it on replay, though. What'd you think? Your your <laughs> your your honest assessment of what you saw. I mean, it just was like a normal Zoom call. It wasn't anything too special. Um, I didn't realize they were gonna do like you know Pesman was gonna go into the football center like that. But I mean, I expected. I mean, it, it was below my expectations. Thank probably. you. <laughs> that's, that's what I want to hear, James. I would, have been, I would have been surprised if you'd have said it exceeded your expectations. But, Andy, what, well, I think you were awake, too. You saw it, right? I you saw think? it. I saw it. So whoever wants to go first out of you, too. What do y'all think? Well, you Andy, saw please. it. What do you think? It, um... Awkward? I don't know if you could use that. That might be the right word to fit. It, it just, uh... I think it honestly a lot of it's like life. They you just figure it out as you went. I think the the videos that they had uh, pre planned, they, they had a, a nice touch. I think I feel it probably could have been a little bit more organized. No, um, <laughs> that comment it, right it, there, it, Corey. <laughs> sorry, Corey. No, no, Corey. <laughs> believe me, you are not. Um, there wasn't enough hype. It was just like James said. It was just a traditional Zoom call for a second. It just seemed like it was just run of the mill. Um, it's just, you know what? Let's just give an example. It's like pretend I'm Chris Pesman. I'm going to be talking today. We'll be joining the Big Twelve. It's exciting, um, and I I hate to do this because it, it's, it's going to. I know it's going to come across as we're hating or it, we're not. I don't want it to come across that way. It's just sincere when you look at. And I'm, I'm I'm curious to see if UCF or Cincinnati. I don't think they did as anything close to like a toast, but I know that they the moment it hit midnight in the Eastern time zone. Oh, they had the hype videos ready to go, whereas Houston had a post. Now, they did have hype videos, but they opted to premiere them at 8 in the morning, 9 in the morning, the, the, obviously on Saturday. And as for the toast itself, like I said, it was awkward. Renew Couture was there. Uh, they missed <laughs> they missed the midnight time um, because, like James said, uh, Chris Pesman was explaining the details on the football uh, development facility, but... I mean, it, it it was what it was. I, it just went as as it went. It was uh, but, it was as Corey says. It it was the bare minimum. You know, it it didn't start on time. It was supposed to start eleven forty five. Started eleven forty seven, eleven forty eight, and because of that, Chris Pesman talked past midnight. So it would have been like 
and New Year's Eve party. Everybody's at, and then you realize, oh, snap, it's 12.02. <laughs> you know, that's what it was. Oh, and I was like, oh, come on. So that, that it just wasn't. I had other UH friends, alums, who described it. It was embarrassing. High school, junior high kids could have done better. It just didn't look good compared to UCF. UCF and BYU had, well, Cincinnati, I know, they had meet and greets. You know, BYU had theirs on Twitter. On Saturday, they and they did stuff the, the actual Saturday. Yeah, as well. So BYU's countdown was live on Twitter and looked good, looked great. Yeah, it did. It was impressive. You wait. The toast idea, I don't understand it. I don't know. It, they just should have done what they ended up doing. <laughs> Playing the hype video at midnight for the school because it was nice. What they did as a school account, athletic account, released on, on Saturday looked good. The one they posted on the uh, the main unit, the University of Houston main campus account was good because it, it it basically the video went over all the the big achievements in school history, from the men's basketball team knocking off UCLA in 1968 to obviously the football teams in the 70s and 80s, uh, the five slam pajama teams. They even included the volleyball team Sweet 16 run, all the other accomplishments. I was like, oh, the good, oh, good hype video. The, no. <laughs> you, you, we can't imagine that, Corey, because we would. There, nothing like that would happen. Just to be honest, so I can't imagine that. So, and let me put this up because this person is not a consistent follower to wow. this show. Wow. Because you, you don't clearly you don't you never watch folks talking sports on a consistent basis. Because we are critical of UH athletics. Right. That's part of what FTS is <laughs> through these 100 episodes. We have criticized UH Athletics for doing the bare minimum throughout this whole previous 99 episodes from marketing to coaches to hires to football, ineptitude, all those things. Now they're going to the Big 12. James, Mueller, your final thoughts as I let you go. How many teams, how many UH teams are ready to compete in the Big 12 this coming season, this first season? Men's basketball will be fine. Track and field will be fine. I don't. They won't win the Big Twelve, but they'll be competitive. Volleyball will be competitive. Swimming and diving will be decent. Other than that, I mean, golf might have a few players that do well individually, but as a team, probably not. So I'd say four, and then the rest are probably going to be bottom, bottom tier, if not the worst. Where, where would you predict? Where predict UH football finishing the Big Twelve this first season? So there's 14 this year. Somewhere between, I'd say, 11 to 13. Hmm, 11 be, I think. <laughs> that's like the high. Yes. Yeah, oh yeah, but I think that'd be acceptable <laughs> for a lot of fans if they made it reach 11. I well, said 13 Chris, in my poll. Yes, sir. You know that it doesn't matter as long as they win one game for this season. And I guarantee you they're going to win that game. Where's the where's the cue? You got to guarantee it. That October 21st. Yeah, I got you. October I, 21st. I you. So I guarantee you they won't be uh, winless. Guarantee. Of course, October. Guarantee. Is against the Longhorns, which, yeah, yeah. I don't care. They could go 1 11. 
no. James Mueller, thank you, my man, for participating in, in this 100th episode of Folk Talking Sports. Keep in touch. And uh, don't be a stranger, James. Come back when you can, all right? We can talk some Astros there. Sounds on. awesome. Thanks right. for having me. It was great chatting with you guys. Take care, all man. Right, all right, Have James. Good, good to see, see you. All right. Now we're going to bring in No Salt's number one fan. Hey, my man. Where is he at? I can't, we can barely see you. What's, what is, hey, what is all on his head, man? Yeah, the sun's that we can barely see you, AD. Can you move the box the sunlight or something? What, man? I'm, hey, man. Hey, guys, congratulations. Hey, I'm out in the country, man. It's, it was a little warm out here, so I'm, okay. I'm, get, I'm getting in my pre- July the 4th, uh, you know, getting it all in, man, regardless what the Supreme Court said about whether I'm affirmed as a human being or not, you know, who cares? <laughs> but, I, hey, guys, I'm glad to, glad to be here. Go ahead, Willie. That's okay. That that, that little political shot, man, that, some of us would get caught it. Some of us didn't catch it. Hey, hey, <laughs> AD, move, move up here. We, we don't see the top of your head, man, so move up. There you go. There you go. Yeah, all right. Waiting for Nosa to uh, get the word that you're on the show here, so yeah, she can well. chime in and be happy. <laughs> if if I had a if I had a way to reach her, I'd give her a message and say you're you're. No, nah, that's okay. On. I'm good. <laughs> 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 Any thoughts on what the Rockets have done so far in free agency? I'm excited. I'm I'm thoroughly excited. I mean. You basically just got all these pablamine kids off the off the floor and finally putting some guys and some men on the floor that can play basketball. Because basically you got kids from what eighteen, you got kids on there that can't even buy can't even buy alcohol. They can't even buy themselves a drink. And now you got some guys at least they can go to a bar and order a drink, you know, legally without somebody having to buy it for them. So uh we got kids we got the pablum and we got the pablum and all the other stuff, you know. Breast milk is off the breath. Now we got some guys out there. We got some men out there that's ready to start playing basketball. And let me see, because I'm going to take another criticism of I3 again, because I swear one of his comments, he said the front office was at fault for for the players. Management was at fault for players, you know, who played and didn't play. And yet he now says Stephen Silas didn't play Josh Christopher. Which is it? Is it the front office's fault or is it Stephen Silas's fault? I, I, I'm confused. You flip flopping on, on who you're criticizing, but you're a Rockets fan. Oh, okay, whatever. When it, come, when it comes Andy, to Josh Christopher, no, what I was gonna say. When it comes to Josh Christopher, I just he's not. You don't. He's not a part of the core. He he. he he's still young, but to me, he's kind of a bit of a one dimensional player when it comes to just on the offensive side of things. He's a. Not to sound mean, but he's more of a me, me, me player in terms of scoring. He's a scorer. He's not a playmaker and doesn't really give you much on the defensive side of the ball either. And he was turnover prone and all those things. So, hey, he's done. He can, he's, he's gone. Whatever. And there's no call in numbers to for folks to uh, chime in because I don't have a screener and I'm not risking somebody <laughs> – Losing their mind, dropping stuff on on this show. I'm not, I'm not like, doing hey, that. Hey guys, look, look, let's 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 cut to the chase. You had a bunch of young AAU players, you know, because they they've been unique at wherever they are and played, and they were the center of attention. I go back to the time was it, a couple of years ago when John Lucas got in these kids behind, and they got so upset that they went and left 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 the, left the arena. This is a man's game. 
you getting paid a man's salary. And if you're not ready to step into that role, then don't step out there and want to be, you know, you want the money, you want everything that goes with it. Well, it's also the responsibility to be a pro. All right. Yes. You, you are playing in the NBA. Okay. This is not AAU anymore. Nobody's going to kiss your butt anymore. If you don't want to get out there and go to work, oh, yeah, you got money. So well, what? Well, that's the case now. That wasn't the case the last two years because they wanted to lose. I mean, I don't know if I still have it up, the, the clip available, but Tillman said at Mardi Gras, pray for Victor. So didn't get work out. They did not get Victor with Minyama, but yet they're ready to, to – uh, with with veterans, new veterans on the team to enter phase two. New head coach, new expectations. They believe the veterans who are brought in, who they brought in, will increase the win total for this coming season. So they don't have time to play too many youngsters. Rockets had seven first round picks in the last two drafts prior to this this draft. And the average age was how was what, Chris? How, probably, how old was probably it? twenty. Three of those are gone now. Josh Christopher, Ty Ty, Usman Garuba. You can say that they should have played more. I think management said no. Play they, they should nix more. Mistake. Remember, for, for folks who may not know, beat writer for the Chronicle, Jonathan Fagan. Wrote, said in podcast, said in an interview he did with me that the Rockets management believed Jason Nix had the potential to be similar on the high side, a Baron Davis type player, Ooh. a strong, big body Ooh. scoring guard. Ooh. That's what the Rockets believe. Baron Davis. That's what they believed was his upside. I didn't see it. I didn't see that from day one. But that's what they believe. So that's the mindset they had for a long time regarding Dacia Nix. They cut his butt, what, Friday. So he's gone. Wish him good luck to him. So they they got some right on draft picks. They got some wrong on draft picks. But you know, Willie, Andy, AD, bad teams stay bad because they hang on to their mistakes too long. Nice. Absolutely. So, Coach Doka, again, go back to him. He could be wrong. Some of these guys may shine in the, with their new teams. But Coach Doka wants to win. He believes they can make the playoffs this year. He believes that. He said he doesn't. He has not missed the playoffs though, thus far in his NBA coaching career. Okay, he believes that. So that's what he's striving for. So he didn't want to have all these youngsters on the team. I got a question. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Will. Two things. Well. It's the same question, but you said two things that made that triggered it. The second thing you just said was bad teams stay bad when they hang on to their mistakes. Then I got to thinking about we're on the phase two and phase one. So my question is, was it always the plan to get rid of Steven Silas? Was he only uh, had a short-term shelf life in phase one because we're going to move on to phase two with somebody else? Because you just—I I don't know. I'm just because I thought about that earlier today. But then when you just said that, then you also said bad teams stay bad when they hang on to their mistakes. So is the the firing of Stephen Silas an admission that they made a mistake? 
part partially. I mean, you know what? And it's it's not a crutch. It's reality. He was hired to coach James Harden and Russ Westbrook. Okay. Uh, absolutely. You know, that's who. But they left. They bailed on him quickly. <laughs> and so everything changed. So the longer he hung around, the Rockets' expectations changed. The losses piled up. They started playing youngsters. Not the right youngsters. <laughs> A lot of us agree on that. And then Steven Silas got fired and brought in a new coach. And lo and behold, they're bringing in veterans who can play and have different expectations. And now they're ending phase two. <laughs> so, so it looks like, yeah, he's a scapegoat. Okay. Some, of, some of his decision-making, X's and O's, were shaky, clearly. Okay. But keep in mind, when Rafael, and reported by my man Kelly Eco, when Rafael, during practice, suggest, made suggestions to players during the practice, basically undercutting Steven Silas's authority, he was done right there. Okay, that was two seasons ago. He was done right there. You know, Steven told Rafael, don't do that anymore. It's too late. When you got the GM interject in practice, well, maybe you guys should do this. Maybe, come on. It's, it sounds like it sound like what happened over on Kirby Street, huh? Somebody, some certain general manager sitting up in the coach's box. So yeah, that's that's. It was a matter of time. Okay. You know, the fourth year on his contract was at the, the franchise's option. He wasn't coming back. <laughs> he wasn't coming back, and this is where they are. They're going to win more games. I mean, they better win more games this first year than twenty-two this past season. I think most of us would be shocked if they don't. If they don't win more than 22, injuries happened or a lot of stuff went wrong if they don't win more than, than last year's team with the personnel they had, what they brought in here. So and this is a great point by Jamon right here. The organization did that. Sitting John Wall, sitting Coach Wall, sitting A Wall. Paid that man $40 million to sit. Yeah. Paid him $40 million to go to Miami, basically. That's a bad look. So they, they weren't trying to win. So, Coach Udoka, bringing in Coach Udoka, I think, believe, indicates a shift in the narrative. So, maybe y'all know it. The fans know it. Players around the NBA. The perception of the organization was an AAU franchise. It just was not thought of highly. Lack of accountability. It was problems <laughs> with the franchise. So bringing in Coach Udoka kind of cleans that slate. You got a coach who is respected by the players across the league. So now they're turning the page. Might be turning the chapter. <laughs> it might even be in a brand new book. So we'll see what they do. Andy, what are you going to say? Anything you want to add to that? No, I mean, going back to when it came to Steven Sidless, I agree absolutely. Uh, the writing's been on the wall for the last couple of seasons. He's not going to be a long-term head coach whenever this team finally decided to once again make that jump to being competitive with what they've already made. And lo and behold, he was fired immediately when they made that decision. And he might get another job, another chance as a head coach in the NBA. He might. But he might. His best position might be as an assistant. You know, some some folks are just like that. 
I think he's smart, intelligent basketball person, intelligent mind. He may not be the person who really kicks butt, you know, puts his foot down and tells Rafael or GMs, any GM on his, on his new team, I, I'm in charge. I got this. You stay your behind over there and let me run this. I'm a head coach. Might not be in him. You know, hey, who knows? All right. I keep forgetting to mention this. I'm going to mention this. Corey, this is for you. And this is for you as well. UH fans. UH men's basketball fans, excuse me. There are discussions, plans, efforts to have some of the Australia games available via streaming. Okay? I'm saying that. You're hearing it here on Full Talking Sports. I'm saying that. Remember what you heard it, <clears throat> Will. Yep. Okay, some folks who do stuff and claim they were the first, like hell, I'm saying that right now. 2023, 7 1 p.m. Central Time. Mark okay. it down. Have that queued up. I'm going to have that queued up. So I'm saying that details is being discussed. I know a little bit more, but waiting for some more. You know how it is. I's dotted, T's crossed. But as a point of comparison, St. Mary's played in Australia last year, and some of their games were streamed, but so far it looks like they were the audio only, but I heard they were video as well. But I went to their site, and I saw the audio links post on their site. So it's looking like you know anything could happen, <laughs> but right now some of the Cougs games, Australia games, will be available via streaming. The time difference is like, what, 15 hours? <laughs> So it, it might be three in the morning or whatever. So if you're dedicated <laughs> and you want to do that, you can watch it live. And I'll say this as well. Most likely, the crew calling the games will be the Australia team's crews. Okay, so it won't be Andy Yanez making that trip to Australia, you know. So sure. it won't be Coug. Related people <laughs> calling the games. It'll be from an Australia perspective. Andy, 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 you you you're not flying Qantas going down there? No. <laughs> oh man, Darren, I just I just knew you were gonna be on Qantas, you know, going down there playing with the koala bears or something, man. Nope, nope, nope. All right, Ad, I'm gonna put you back in the back room because I'm bringing in. Not a problem. One of one of the queens. So, just get into the studio. Gonna bring in colleague. Kanitra Pulliams from Big 12 now on ESPN Plus. Hello, ma'am. How are you? Hey. Hey, guys. What's going on? Thank you for joining us here on the 100th episode of Folks Talking Sports. Let me see. I don't want to kick him out. So let's see. Here we go. Right there. All right. Okay. This is different than lunch break, Ms. Pulliams. So. I'm really I mean, glad you were able to join us here. I mean, on... if, it, if it's the hundredth show, you, you got to go big time, right? I agree. So that's why I invited you to join us. Yes, wanted you to come on. I'm glad you could make time uh, to join us here. And for folks who may not have seen you, the handful of times you've been with us on the lunch break on Thursdays from noon to one, let folks know a little bit about Miss Kanitra Pulliams. Born and raised in Texas, uh, now live in Kansas City. Kansas City area, uh, do pregame and postgame for University of Kansas men's basketball and football. 
And that's available on what platform? Big 12 Now, ESPN Plus. Welcome to the Cougs. Thank you very much. So, yes, Andy, UH is now officially a member of the Big 12. And I think, Andy, I, I, I know I said it to KP, but Andy, correct me if I'm wrong. Kanitra and her, the pregame show she's a part of, was another idea for us and you specifically to do like a post-game show for UH Athletics basketball, right? Like you froze there. For me? Yeah. In regards to... Doing post-game shows because it was kind of your idea, right? Yeah, well, let's reach Cougs. So, see, it all ties together. Will, we owe A.J. Jones the reason for all of this through A.J. A.J. and the streaming platform that he, you know, invited me to be a part of that. That's how I met Willie Gibson from The Ohio State. Yeah. And that's how Andy met Will. And I met Kanitra at a Big 12 basketball tip-off and invited her to be on the lunch break. And now we keep in touch. And hey, onward and upward. Any news you want to break here about the Jayhawks basketball, men's basketball, or, or, or football? No, I mean as you mentioned, in you know Houston going to Australia, uh, KU they're going to Puerto Rico first week in August, August first through eighth. They'll play three games: the third, the fifth, and the seventh, um, just to get you know different look. Um, Are you going? Of course not. <laughs> I don't. I don't get to go on on the tropical trips, whether it be Hawaii. Or Puerto Rico, or the Bahamas. I don't get. I don't. I don't get those trips. Have you put in a, like a word to say? You know, what about me? <laughs> well, you know, it's it's all about the dollars, <laughs> and so you sell it to the boosters, and you make it a package deal trip, and you know. How about how about the, you, all, Will? All the boosters. Yes, are if the Buckeyes basketball team went took an overseas trip. Would you be going? Could you go? Could I go? Yes. Could I go? Yes. Out of your pocket or theirs? Well, I'm always willing to talk sponsorship <laughs> without question. Um, you know. As but, all of us are here on Full Talk of Sports, if you want to sponsor this show, believe yes. what we're doing, by all and means. I apologize for looking down for the last couple of minutes. Ohio State just signed for the class of 2024. Oh, yeah. There you go. Right there. Uh, that, that guy right uh, there? Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Corey was just – that's what I'm looking at. So, if you see me looking down, I apologize. Ohio State just signed him from Chicago, 6'5", 305, defensive lineman. Signed with Ohio State over uh, some school up north, Georgia, <laughs> and Miami. I, I love how we were first at that, that school, at the school up north. Yes. Kanitra. Yeah. Any football signings, commitments for the Jayhawks? Yeah, yeah the, you know, also on the defensive end, uh, KU got out of Arizona, a uh, three-star edge rusher, Deshaun Warner. So, yeah, he committed. Uh, reportedly beat out, KU beat out the likes of Oregon State, uh, Washington, and Texas for his services. Well, I'm going to say this because I'm petty. I'm an old UH alum. Anytime I hear a school beat out Texas for anybody, salute to them. So good job with that. Salute to, to KU. What are your thoughts on Houston joining the Big 12? Now they're officially a member of the Big 12. What are your thoughts on that? 
Well, I mean, uh, Travis Goff, KU athletic director, you know, said all the right things. It was very complimentary about the four additions uh, in Cincy, U of H, BYU, and UCF. Um, and said really it, it helped to solidify the depth and the talent of the Big 12 um, with the eight teams that are in it for the long run, slight, slight distance to Texas and OU. Um, so, you know, he says he likes the direction it's going and it just really helped to solidify, solidify and stabilize the Big 12 conference. Any, what are your thoughts on, on his plans or well, I guess, no, it was the um, consultant's suggestion to decrease the capacity at the football stadium as part of a plan to make, I guess, an, an entertainment district? Yeah, it's kind of an inter, it's entertainment corridor. Um, okay. You know, just kind of where it is. It, you know, it's really, it's landlocked. So um, trying to make it mixed-use space, a convention center, a medical facility, uh, maybe a concert venue of some sort, so that the booth, as it's called, uh, Memorial Stadium, is used more than just six, seven dates in the fall, and you know, and then for graduation, um, just trying to make it just kind of a destination location in Lawrence, and so trying to attract you know more attention. But you know, the thing is, parking is already an issue right there, and so if the, if the the blueprint plants that I've seen kind of take away one of the surface lots to add these extra venues and buildings, you still have to address a parking, the parking issue. Do you raise some of the homes that are, you know, right there on 11th street and then turn that into a parking garage? I mean, there is one parking garage there at, you know, Mississippi street parking garage. Um, that's I think four levels. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, where do you put these things and, and, you know, yeah, if you reduce capacity, it would make it maybe the second smallest football stadium in the mm -hmm. Big 12 Conference. Um, Travis Goff says they're, they're not going to go, you know, below 40,000. Um, they're not going to be that drastic in reducing seats. I mean, yeah, you might have to take some out, but it's all about the greater good, making it a better fan experience, making it a better game day atmosphere kind of with the acoustics making it a louder venue um while also beautifying you know and an, a stadium what what's the is there a timetable that's been announced for this ultimate creation um i think it's happening in stages i mean okay. i know i know it's and it's not just football that's seeing the improvements it's kind of campus-wide department-wide they're already doing renovations inside allen field house uh, i know the media room is, is already you know getting attention and and getting spruced up um so there, you won't be able to do it in one fell swoop it'll have to just kind of be you know after after the season you can do you know this pocket and you know and then just and then midwest weather you just got you got to hope that there's not a whole lot of snow days because winter, Andy, you know, winter here can last until May. Winter? What? What? What is that? Andy, <laughs> Will, you have connect, uh, questions for KP? 
Yeah, I had one just in terms of the men's basketball and the the game uh, between Houston and Mexico that's planned uh, between Houston and Kansas and Mexico that's planned for 2024. I'm curious to kind of what's been the reaction in Kansas to that game from folks associated with the program or with the university. Oh, I mean, you know, anybody who's, you know, kind of a supporter of Kansas basketball, they, they think it's a, you know, it's a great idea. Um, you know, would you, would you like to have it, in town or or maybe a neutral location in the U.S.? Sure. Um, because that's just, you know, that's revenue. Um, but, you know, from what I've heard, folks within the university support Brett Yormark and his vision about expanding the Big 12, um, making it a not only just a four time zone conference, but also making it an, an international conference. And so, you know, with a ch- you know, chance to go to Mexico, I mean, but uh, yeah, you'd love to have somebody the caliber of University of Houston and what Kelvin Sampson's doing um, and have that, you know, I don't know if you have it in, you know, in Dallas. I mean, cause you know, yeah, the initial meeting will be in Mexico, but you know, hopefully you get uh, a rematch in the big 12 tournament, you know, in Kansas city in the spring. Well, you got any questions? What, what, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to kind of, based off that response, it sounds very similar to what uh, head coach Kelvin Sampson told us on, when was that, Tuesday? Yep. All these days run together. Um, Tuesday, whenever, by the way, he did compliment my hair this week, so I guess hey. I don't have a bird's nest, by the way. Uh, but he, yeah, the, the only drawback he said was about the revenue, the potential loss of revenue of not even necessarily of that game specifically, but because it is going to be a non-conference game, potentially being able to schedule like the example he gave a home-and-home home, uh, with a different program that, that again, it's that, that revenue that the school could potentially lose. He Calvin Sampson said he wished that the Big 12 could in some way kind of compensate the universities yeah. for that potential loss. Well, I mean, and, which, which is fair. Kenichi, Coach Sampson mentioned in that media Zoom session with us, and this surprised me. Kenichi, hold your thoughts on it. Will, I want to get your thoughts when I say this. Mm-hmm. He mentioned to us that initially, or I don't know if it's this coming season, I think next season, the schedule was laid out where Houston and KU played just once in the regular season. Hmm. And I was like, huh? <laughs> I mean, two, oh, I mean, the Big 12 is so deep, but two really marquee programs, and you're going to schedule them one time for conference? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I can see, well, yeah, in a, in a perfect world, you definitely would want the home at home. But you create the anticipation of just only one time, for example. I mean, and I guess I'm sure it has to do with the number of teams at that point. Mm-hmm. 14, yeah. if I'm remembering properly. Well, well next year to be 12. Well, next year yeah. be 12. Okay. So I'm sure it'll be some type of, of anticipation, you know, don't miss it one time only type of scenario. But, um, because yeah, I know, in, in the, and I can only compare it to to at the Big Ten. There, there are also some some times where, you know, you figure a marquee, for example, Ohio State, Michigan State play one time this year at Michigan State. So, you know, those things, you know, with the round robin um, scenario happen. But that, that's what I would think of my initial thought. Kenitra, your thoughts? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, yeah, you kind of dangle the proverbial carrot, you know, to make fans, you know, really want to travel to where, whether the game's played in Lawrence, whether the game's played in Houston, you know, even if it's played, you know, kind of a neutral site, if it's played in Kansas City or if it's played, you know, not on U of H's campus, you know, maybe it's played, you know, somewhere else, um, if it's played in Dallas, if it's played in San Antonio, you know, that way, you know, you could make both fan bases travel. Um, but yeah, having to wait an entire another calendar year to see the rematch on your, on your respective campus. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I guess you just, you make, you make fans want it more. You know, and John Williams, vice president of basketball for big 12 in my interview with him, he, he's, he mentioned the possibility of having like a big 12 pre showcase, showcase non-conference showcase where teams who aren't participating in the, Big 12, Big East, right? Yeah, Big 12, Big East classic would face off a non-conference as a boost for their face off against each other. So it'd be two Big 12 teams facing each other as a way to help strengthen, well, not even worry about without hurting their net. So I think that's part of it. That's being discussed. Could be at a neutral site location. I'm not sure if it'll be at neutral site or on-campus site, but that's a possibility as well. But how is my quarterback doing so far in uh, practice? Have they started anything practice yet for f- football? When did they yeah. start practicing? No, I mean, you know, they're, they're doing, you know, off-season conditioning, and, you know, that, that type of thing. Um, but, you know, it'll get cranked up in earnest after uh, Big 12 media days. Mr. Daniels doing okay? Tell him I said hi. <laughs> he's, he's my first-team quarterback. He's- Big 12. He's, he is a NIL darling. Is he really? Oh, okay. Uh, what kind of products is he endorsing? Um, from what I've seen, I know they just had like kind of a, a student athlete symposium and he was like number one NIL football player. I'm not exactly sure who sponsored it, whatever, but yeah, he, he was named number one. Um, but I know locally, Wendy's, um, that's the one like top of mind. I, I don't know what other um, brand endorsement deals he's working on, but he he stays very drippy. Okay. Uh, Andy, we're going to bring in Kim Davis to have two queens on the screen with us to help enhance the, the visual for everyone. Sis, how are you? Kim talk, talk. Thank you for being able to join us here on the 100th episode of Folks Talking Sports. Well, thank you for having me and congratulations on your 100th episode. Appreciate it. Uh, Will, yes, from, the, from the perspective of The Ohio State, mm-hmm. the Buckeyes have, <clears throat> you sent me some info articles, links about what they do for their student assets, <clears throat> student athletes regarding nil mm-hmm. education for financial literacy yes just share more about what they're doing yeah um not just from an nil perspective but uh, real life wednesdays every wednesday um it actually started when uh coach 
Coach Urban Meyer was here with the football program. Uh, every Wednesday, he brings in a speaker, a non-athletic speaker. It could be a uh, CEO of a local company here, um, former Buckeye Kirk Herbstreet. Kirk Herbstreet has been a speaker. Um, someone, he spoke of non-athletic uh, pursuits, things uh, business-related. Um, there, Quarterly, there's a uh, athletic job fair where those same companies uh, are brought in that athletes are um, allowed or they develop relationships with uh, companies for internships, opportunities after uh, athletics. So those type of things are, are two that are uh, top of mind right now, but there's, there's a constant, uh, uh, actually another uh, Luke Felder, um, and his group, uh, name escapes me right now, but there's another group that is specific to um, NIL preparation that they do prepare, not just, okay, you have the NIL deal, taxes is the first and foremost uh, thing that they discuss, that now you have uh, this opportunity to earn these resources. Now, what are you going to do with them? How you have to prepare for your taxes going forward? things of that nature. Um, so those are just things off the top that, that Ohio State does uh, provide to prepare their student athletes. Andy, does UH do that? I'm asked because I don't, I don't know. Do they do that? I, I'm not too sure. I don't think so, but they, they very well could. Well, I just, I'm not certain. Kenitra, is what, does KU do something similar to what we'll they just do. describe? I, um, okay. I know, um, I'm not sure the frequency of, of or the depth to which they, you know, as far as financial literacy and all these other um, enrichment classes, but they do have meetings with people in the community outside of sports so that number one, the student athletes just can learn how to present themselves, who they are, what they're about, what they're majoring in, what their interests are outside of football. So to just be able to, to be able to handle themselves, um, not talking about football, and to also make those connections, you know, and those relationships outside of football and beyond football so that you never know, you know, when you're going to, you know, need and, you know, an advocate in, in your corner, you know, somebody who may be looking, you know, for a salesman or maybe looking for a business partner or, or investment, you know, so you're making those relationships, but you're also thinking about life beyond the football field. And so KU does do that. Kim, one of your many hats you wear, aren't you a, a speaker? Don't you speak at functions and sort of just kind of elaborate on that? Yeah, I do. I speak um, about leadership, about effective communication and engagement, um, a little bit a little bit in the DEI space, which I guess is not a thing to say anymore. But and I also, you know, I do media training. And so, um, you know, I have not done any work with athletic programs as a whole, you know, although I do some, I've done some work with athletes, but I think it's a good space. I think as much as, you know, I think everybody, when I say everybody, I'm talking about all of the institutions and teams should be offering this to their, their student athletes, to their professional players on an ongoing basis, because I think it would help the, the players. And then I think it would help the institutions and the teams. 
I just think it's a need. It's, it's the reason that leaders of companies get it, get this training and have people come in and talk to their executive teams on a regular basis because it, it makes a difference. So, you know. Kanitra, I'm going to let you go, but thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here on this 100th episode of Folks Talking Sports. How can folks follow you on, I guess, the on Twitter as Cur- long as it, it still cur- exists? Currently, um, as of today, <laughs> subject to change, it's fluid, at K Pulliams on Twitter. But All right, KP, thank you very much. Time. Good to see you. Bye, y'all. Bye-bye. Thank and uh, just hang by your phone. All right. Kim Davis of Chalk Talk, what are your thoughts on the Rocket signings activity? Well, they've been busy. Um, my thought is uh, they are definitely trying to um, not be a part of the lottery <laughs> next season. They are definitely trying to get to where their owner kept talking about, which was phase. He called it phase two, which I, I think those of us in the room understood that to mean they need to win some games and 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 compete and and try to get to the playoffs. I mean, I know it's a big jump from where they were, but it, I think Tillman is um, giving them the the edict that that's what has to happen. And so they've gone out and tried to get some and sign some players. It seemed like the numbers they were giving were the contracts were larger than I would have thought they would have had to spend. And then I had to remember, all oh, right, this team won less than sixty games in the last three years. So you probably do have to spend a little more to say, hey, come over here with us. Um, there are a couple of guys that I, I hate to see go. Like I, you know, I, you, I think you know this. I was a big Josh Christopher fan. I liked him a lot. Um, so hopefully he does well and, and gets a shot to play. I, I think he's got a bright future. I was, I was curious to see what a tie tie might do, but clearly they had to move on from some of the young guys. They wouldn't still be this young, young team. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, good luck to KJ Martin. I think he's, you know, the way we saw him, I feel like evolved last season. It was, it was, he's a good piece. And so hopefully that's a good fit for him. Now, in terms of what they brought in, you know, I think we all, we all kind of talked about Van Fleet being the, the guy. And, um, you know, and then there's Dylan Brooks. So uh, I am anxious to see what they look like at camp. I mean, Summer League's not going to tell us much because the, the veterans aren't going to be there. But it looks like the young guys are, that have um, been in these positions in the past are going to have to kind of earn their spots. And I don't think that's a bad thing. So I am cautiously excited, I guess. Earning minutes. What a novel concept. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but saying that, teams can do that when they have enough talent to compete in practice. Yes. And that was not the case for the previous Rocket teams. No. And I saw some people, you know, I don't spend a whole lot of time on Twitter anymore. I mean, I'm there, right? Because you kind of have to be a little bit talking about. um, Yeah, for now, for however long it's up. Right. You know, what if what if Steven Silas had some of this talent? You know, and we we just don't know. I mean, I, I don't I remind people I was in a conversation on Friday and I reminded people I said, you can't really evaluate, in my opinion, Steven Silas on what he did with this Rockets team. Because remember, he took this job and when he took it, he was going to be coaching um, Russell Westbrook and James Harden. 
And he went from that to a lottery team <laughs> and just all out chaos and disaster. And oh, by the way, an owner that made it very clear that he was playing for Victor. So, you know, but that's, that's the nature of the beast. So um, I don't know what he would have done with veterans and with, with some other resources, but that's water on the bridge because he's not here now with Emay's team. So I, I'm sure without being in the room that the conversation when they, when they you know, reached out and, 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 um, to bring Emay into the, the fold was, what are you going to give me to work with? I'm sure yeah. he didn't come in thinking I'm going to coach a bunch of 19-year-olds and we're just going to see what happens. I'm good, but I ain't that good. <laughs> so let's get into it. Predictions based on what the Rockets, the guys you brought in, draft picks, the veterans, Fred Van Vliet, Dylan Brooks, Jacques Londale, backup LP, Uncle Jeff, Jeff Green, Cam Whitmore, Amen Thompson. How many wins? Andy, you I first. Would, How many I wins would put for the Rockets? Miller's, uh, over under 34 and a half wins. I'm taking over. Over. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh hmm. I think a good question for this would be what what would you consider the seeding of this team? And Play I think in. uh that's this, mm. this, this so you're team, saying at max yeah. seven seed. At max seven seed. No, no, no. Tenth. Tenth seed. A tenth seed. <laughs> yeah, really? Tenth. You have that be, them being the max? I think it's all contingent on Jabari Smith, Jalen Green, and Alfred Shingoon. Those three specifically, but uh, you can add in uh, KPJ in there as well. Um, those four, how big of a, a, a leap they take. It's on them how competitive the roster can be. I think the floor of this team uh, definitely should be uh, the 32, 33 wins the floor. Mm-hmm. And if they don't get there, then something went terribly wrong, and the changes the changes will probably be made from the front office standpoint. You would imagine if things really bottom out, which I don't expect it to happen, just because of of the way the the roster, um, the veteran leadership that's been constructed. But I think that's what it's contingent on. To so to answer your question, I think halfway 36, 37 wins is a reasonable expectation going into the season. Yeah, that's what I said. 36. Will, what do you say? I mean, I said 36 and 46 Thursday on the lunch break. Yep. Prior to, and I'm, my mind wants to go more, given the fact that they have Fred and, and Dylan, and, but no, 36 and I'll stick, I'll stick 36 and 46. Kim? So I'm just going to, before I try to give you a number, I absolutely hate predictions, especially in the summer. I just, <laughs> of course. I, I, yeah. I mean, like, we don't even know. We, we know what they have today, but we don't really know yet what this roster is. So for me, I think until you really know what the roster is, and even then, I'm not a big prediction person, but I would say if I had to pick, I would see them in the play-in next year at least. I think that that is where they should be. I think if they're not at least in the play-in, that, that is uh, – I hate to say the season's a failure, but I imagine that the owner will be very, very disappointed. He's opened up the purse the checkbook, right? Mm-hmm. He's spending the money and and done the things. And so now it's time to see, you know, the fruit of fruits of the labor. So um I think playing at least and uh you know don't get swept. But they definitely, I mean man, if they could get to the place where they were a five hundred team, I think would be a huge step. Um but I'm definitely gonna take the over for that thirty four number. Well yeah we're all taking the over uh, let's see. He, he may did say he, he has not missed the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I just 
I wonder because playing is not the playoffs. Okay, playing. So we could be splitting hairs here. If they were the 10 seed, they made the play in. Well, that's not the playoffs. Well, I think for me, if that's where they start, but it's to get to the playoffs. Oh, I'm yeah. Just no, saying, I'm saying if they if they don't yeah. become a seventh or eighth seed, rather, right. and they become a nine or ten seed, that's still the play in. And right. That's still I not think the playoffs. 10 seed was 10 or 11 seed was like 37, and maybe 10 seed was 40 wins, something like that. Right. I think they'll sniff it. Okay, this is July 2nd, so things will change. They may not be done making moves. They're probably not. Right. But as of today, I'm going to say 36 wins, and they'll be right around the play-in. Get, get a break here or there. Some other teams have some injuries. You know, 36 might be enough to get you to the 10th, to the 10th spot. Who knows? But being a 7 or AC, that means you, you won. If you were what the AC will seventh or AC play each other in the first in a play in game, you win that game, you're in the playoffs. Yeah. I don't see them doing that. If they're not a 10 seed, they got to win twice. I just don't see them doing that. I could be wrong. Hey, <laughs> you know, I've been wrong before. But 36 wins, that's what I'm going to stick with right now. Come October, it may make some other moves. I might go to 38. I'm not doing 41. <laughs> I'm 500 better. I'm not doing that. You know, Tony M brought up a great comment. Uh, oh, wow. Rockets won't be in the playoffs. Detroit will win more games. They may not make uh, the playoffs. May not make the play in. Depends on them. But they got a better team than the Rockets do. Let me they're ask you tough, guys a question. They're in tough um, conference, but they need healthy players. You know, if Cade is healthy, stays healthy. They would not have lost only won 17 games last year, but he wasn't healthy. If he injured again this year, they're gonna suck again. You know, it all comes down to health. Go ahead, Kim. I would I'd like to know what you guys think about the, the contracts. Did you the, the, just the, the number? Did it surprise anybody of the number, uh, the amounts of those contracts? The Dylan Brooks no. number surprised. Well, the fact that it has no options. It's a guaranteed deal. That surprised me. Right. Okay. You know, the 80 million, that surprised me because I thought he'd only get like 12 to 15 per. That's what I thought. Rockets had to spend it eventually. So they did it and put, they spent it on two dudes basically. So yeah, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, I agree. Um, Dylan surprised me a little bit, but they, as as you said earlier, Kim, it's it's a bad, and Chris alluded to it as well. It's a bad team (laughs) tax. You know, you got to overspend the key guys to come down the line. So yeah. Yeah, because this yeah. is for all three of you. How many, how many good teams and good? I'm going to say playoff, playing playoff teams have a lot of cap room. None. <laughs> okay, None. so there's a reason yeah. why the Rockets have a lot of cap room. <laughs> okay, there's a reason. Absolutely, yeah. So nine times out of ten, bad teams have cap room. Very rare instances, you know, when the, when the cap had the huge jump because of the multimedia rights deal that allowed the Warriors to get KD, all that kind of stuff. You know, that's rare, those those spike caps. The money Dylan Brooks got is a fair question. As far as we know, there was no other teams bidding against the Rockets for Dylan Brooks. But they decided to put all the money on him 
<laughs> him and Fred, basically. Yeah. So twenty million per eighty million total for four years. Again, Dylan was going to say what? Ooh, Tillman, Rafael. Y'all want to give me eighty million per? I'm eighty million total. Ooh, no, I'm. Uh, I'm really more worth it about. Yeah, I don't know, I'm not worth that. I'm not I worth mean. that much. So you know, and the Kings, that, that is correct. But the Kings, part of that was because of they made another trade, a smart right. trade on draft day. Yep, right. to clear up space. So right. it's very rare that a playoff team has a lot. And thirty million, that's a that's a good amount. Rockets had sixty-four million. <laughs> okay, right. so I'm talking thirty million and above cap space. But I'm gonna wrap it up. This has been a lot of fun. I want to take thank Cody Davis, Kim Davis, no relation, James mm-hmm. Mueller, Adolphus A. D. Moore, and Kenitra Pulliams for joining us on this 100th episode of Folks Talking Sports. Appreciate everyone for the comments, the criticisms. Don't be a stranger. Next Sunday, probably going to take some time off, a week off. We all think you got some vacation time. I think I'm tentatively scheduled to be on TV, recording a TV segment around this time. So I'm not going to, you know, rush and force folks to change their schedules and all that kind of stuff just to accommodate me. So might take a week off. But just stay tuned. Subscribe to the Houston Round Ball Review YouTube channel so you can keep in touch with what the content here on this channel. Andy, I you first. Take the big screen if you want to. How can folks find you and follow you on social media? Yes, sir, Chris. As always, thank you for the opportunity to be on your platform. People can follow me on Twitter, uh, like a lot of our guests have said, for the time being, while that app, uh, while that website is still up at Ayana's underscore five. And more importantly, Podslam Jam on YouTube, which hit the 1,000 subscribe milestone on Monday, this past Monday. So we are very excited to be able to, to finally be able to accomplish that. We did it in under a year. We did it right before Houston joined the Big 12. So exciting times ahead and then go back to the the full screen with everyone chris just uh thank you for really uh the opportunity like i said to be a part of folks talking sports which has been now for two years now two years running uh, going back to the summer of 2021 when the uh really when the show launched when the show yep. was born um and it's kind of like you said it's all tied in it all comes full circle because it, it was kind of born in may when it when you were doing uh you were filling in during the the old kyok uh shows so that's kind of really what sparked it and here we are 100 episodes later willie gibson you want the full screen or you want it like this oh man i'm i'm, I'm one of the people man i'm good <laughs> okay so i can folks follow you keep, keep up with you <laughs> you can find me on uh, as, as everyone has said I'll, I'll echo that as long as twitter is up on uh twitter at will gibson seven on instagram at will gibson seven uh facebook a will knows and again chris uh thank you for uh, allowing me to be a part of your platform. Shout out to AJ Jones as well for connecting us. And uh, I look forward to to things to come. Yes, sir. Sis Kim Davis, how about you? How can folks find you, keep up with you on social media? So you can follow me on uh, and the Twitters as well. They're there at Kim Y. Davis. And then on Instagram and at Kim Y. Davis Media. And also the same on Facebook. Um, follow me so that then you can... Uh, and subscribe to my YouTube channel. And I just want to throw this out. Uh, 
if you are not registered to vote, I'm encouraging you to get registered. I never say who you should vote for, but we should all be registered and informed. So if you're not registered, get registered. And if you are, find somebody and make sure they are. We are in some very turbulent times. And so we need to all be actively engaged. Uh, so that's how I want to end, end it here. Hey, and congratulations on 100 episodes. Thanks for inviting me and including me. I appreciate it. Continued success and uh, take you some time off, my friend. <laughs> thank you very much, everyone. I want to thank Will and Andy for being along for this ride of Folks Talking Sports, this vision that uh, we, you guys helped me with. I appreciate that. I am KG Chris Gardner, owner of the Houston Round Ball Review. Watch us on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit that bell so you can receive notifications as well when the content is updated. See, we didn't spend too much time criticizing UH alma mater for their weak toast on Friday. But hey, they had good hype videos. Hype videos are good. So fair. that was good Saturday. I should have done that on, for midnight. But anyway, just still agreed. Do great. The U of H one should have gone at midnight. Yeah. This, but hey, in the Big 12 now. So step up your game. Yeah. Everyone. To all the folks chiming in on, on YouTube, Tony, I3, Corey, uh, who else am I forgetting? Charles on Facebook, got a comment from Facebook, probably because of uh, Kim and her great following on, on Facebook. Corey Miller, of course. Chef, who's this chef? Alan Wilson, thank you very much as well. Yeah, Wanda, hey, thank chef. you for your support. As always, reminder, get you a Houston Round Bar Review mug like I got right there. It's filled with a beverage. Not an adult beverage, a little early today. But everyone, thank you very much for being a part of this 100th episode of Folks Talking Sports. Stick with us and we keep grinding and get to 200th episode of Folks Talking Sports. So to wrap it up, since 1994, the Houston Round Ball Review. Local name, global perspective. Y'all take care. Peace. <laughs> Peace.